Wouldn't it be better if you put her someplace? You mean an institution? A madhouse? People always call a madhouse someplace, don't they? Put her in someplace. I'm sorry. I didn't mean it to sound uncaring. What do you know about caring? Have you ever seen the inside of one of those places? The laughing and the tears. And the cruel eyes studying you. My mother there. But she's harmless. She's as harmless as one of those stuffed birds. I am sorry. I, I only felt... It seems she's hurting you. I meant well. People always mean well. They cluck their thick tongues and shake their heads and suggest oh so very delicately. Of course... I've suggested it myself, but I hate to even think about it. She needs me. Welcome to the Ancient Slumber Podcast, show number 16. My name is Chris Ward, and as ever, I am joined by Mr. Myron Schmidt. How are you doing, Myron? Good. How are you, Chris? Oh, I'm very well. I'm just trying to get past all these technical gremlins we're having today. One of those days, brother. One of those days. It's one of those days. It's been final week, the second I go to record, and it all goes to shit. <laughs> we haven't been together in a while. Ooh. Not like that. Uh, well... Not- yeah. No, no, we've had a few weeks off. We've had a bit of a break. So what have you been up to? Oh, well, I've been on holiday. I've been over to France. I've watched loads of films. That's it, really. And working hard. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. Yeah. So what have you been doing? Oh, about the same old stuff. Watching movies. A little Good bit on. of this. A little bit of that. Oh, a little bit of the other. Exactly. Oh. I've spent a lot of time listening to podcasts lately, though. Have you now? I have. I don't know why. Because they're entertaining and they're fun. That's right. Unlike us. That's right. <laughs> I mean, look at it this way. We got our friend Gore Blimey. Oh, yes. Starting out with Trilogy of Terror. Yeah. We got Stranger Deadly firing up. Oh, yes. We got Duncan and his crazy crew over at the uh, podcast Under the Stairs. Duncan Baz. That's <laughs> I know, right? I know. We got Duncan firing off Chronicle Podcast. Yeah, they're good then, aren't they? Yeah, 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 they are good. They're short, they're quick, they're good. Yeah, they're good to sort of listen to on me break at work or whatever. Exactly. Mm. We got Dan and Gav cutting it up at Haunted Hill, the House on Haunted Hill podcast. Oh, yes. We got, you know, who's it, Gil and Roscoe over at uh, the Bodacious podcast or Bodacious Horror podcast. Bodacious. I just think of Bill and Ted when I hear that. <laughs> 
Have you ever listened to those two crazy bastards? I haven't, actually. They're not one of my regular ones, but I shall make a note of it. You should... <laughs> I, I'm not sure where they're from. I think they might be from Scotland. <laughs> Never mind. It's Gil and Roscoe's Bodacious Horror Podcast. Yeah, cool. Oh, well, if, we, if we're giving shout-outs to people... Absolutely. I'm going to give a shout-out to Ben and Dan over at Streampunk as well. Really? I've not listened to them. Ah, well, did you used to listen to Mondo Movie? No, never. Oh, you're missing a treat. Oh, well, yeah, you'll have to get invested in me in them, yeah. Great podcast. Uh, yeah, Mondo Movie was sort of the cult horror exploitation podcast in the 2000s. They went away and they've come back with Streampunk and they go through um, films that are on, um, what do you call it, like streaming services and stuff. Ooh. Yes. Well, I've got to get in on that action. Get in on some of that, yeah. Yeah, Dan Olty and Ben Howard. Great podcasters. Where are they from? England. Although Ben lives in um, uh, San Francisco now, I think. Okay, okay. But yeah, I've been, uh, you know, and also been doing a little bit of Hero Hero Ghost Show with uh, Bo Ransdell. Oh, okay. That one specializes solely in uh, A-Horror, so. In, in what? A-Horror. Oh, I thought it was in A-Holes. Well, it, it's, well, never mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I've been really listening to a lot of podcasts lately, getting ideas for movies to watch and having a good laugh. Oh, good stuff. We're all one big podcasting family. Yes, exactly. We're the little gingerhead stepchildren. That's right. Yes. But you are going to hear me talk a little bit more about uh, Dan and Gav, especially Gav later on. Oh, yeah. From the uh, House on uh, Haunted Hill podcast. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, well, I shall look forward to that. Right, so... Today's itinerary is we're going to look at the Psycho franchise. Yes, we are. We are. We're going to look at the four Anthony Perkins films. We'll give a little look at the remake. We're not going to go into too much detail. And we've also got a quick review of the Microwave Massacre Blu-ray from Arrow Video. Yes, we do. And I'm fucking looking forward to that because I know what you think. Oh, dear dear God. (laughs) You know, I'm only doing that because I like you. <laughs> Fuck knows Sweet why. Baby. Jesus, what a horrible. Never mind. Let's just go on. We're going to fall out, we are. <laughs> anyway. Something over that movie. God almighty. <laughs> right. Before we uh, delve into that den of uh, sin, we will do a little bit of good, bad, and ugly. Let's do it. I got to say, I've got a few goods, bads, and uglies. Because, I mean, I've watched a lot of movies, right? Yeah, yeah, I've watched a few. So, yeah, we'll name a few. Why not? Well, I will kick off because I know very well you don't take notes. No, so you better do that. And you're desperately trying to get your damn letterbox open. It's open. (laughs) (laughs) My letterbox is open and ready for perusal. But the uh, the first one is one that you recommended, as well as a bunch of other people. Mm -hmm. It's a Turkish film called Basket. Oh, yes. I loved this movie. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's um, it's my top number one horror for the year. Really? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Oh, it's in my list, but it's not that high up. But yeah, it's uh, what I like about it, it's a thinking thinking person's horror. Yes. Open to interpretation. You could take a completely one look approach or another look approach. It's uh, it makes you think, and I love it when horror movies make you think. Really? Why don't you try watching some then instead of that found footage shit? Hey! Hey! <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. Okay. Yeah. I absolutely loved, loved, loved Baskin. Yes, I reviewed that for uh, Flickering Myth. Excellent. 
few weeks ago. Yes, I, I'd, I'd give it a good mark, if I remember correctly. I'm definitely a five out of five on that, man. I don't think I was quite that high, but uh, I did enjoy it. Excellent. Good, good, good. Right, uh, I'm just having a look through. Oh, well, there's one. You might think I'm a bit late to the party on this one, but um, I watched Vanishing Point. Oh, you did? Yeah, the 1971 film. <laughs> Is that the first time? Yes, surprisingly, because I love a road movie, especially a 70s road movie, and I'd never seen this one. Very cool. So I bought a copy for about £2 off Amazon Markets, and I sat and watched it, and I fucking loved it. It just ticked all the boxes for me. Big muscle cars, naked women... Bikers, hippies, drugs, the whole lot. It was there. It was brilliant. Loved it. Was Pam Greer there? She's not in that one. Oh, well. No. Can't get it right all the time. No, but there there was a nice naked hippie chick riding around the desert on a motorbike. So that's just... <laughs> just encapsulate that little scene. That's just what... That's what's in my head all the time anyway. So. Oh, God help us all. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh... Isn't it great, though, to discover movies like that you've never seen before? Yeah, it's one of those films I, I know about it. You know, it's obviously it's one of the classics, really. And I've heard it referenced so many times, you know, Rob Zombie and uh, Quentin Tarantino that always reference it. And uh, I've just never seen it. You know, I think that's what I find so funny about the Baz. Oh, yeah. He said he's not seen a lot of these horror movies. And they're movies that we've seen, what, hundreds of times? Not hundreds, but you know what I mean. Yeah. And it's just funny to it's. Not funny, but it's fun to hear somebody's first time take on some of these movies that we can never recapture that first time viewing. Well, I think that's why he normally ends up preferring the remakes to the originals, isn't it? Because we're like we've grown up with them and we, yes, saw, them, we yes. saw them first, sort of thing. I think you're right. So I think that's probably key to a lot of it. But it's fun to hear that kind of an opinion. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sometimes gives you a different spin on what you already think you know. Exactly. Exactly. Scott, so then hit us with another good one if you got one. I do. Uh, this is a weird one. It's a it's an American movie. Yeah. I don't know if it was shot in country. I didn't do that much research. Oh damn you! But <laughs> but it's one that's been around a while. You guys got a release first in our. Oh, I know. Just, yeah, I yeah, know. We just got a a Blu-ray come out this week, I think, or last week. Mm-hmm. And it's the Eli Roth presents Clown. Absolutely love this one too. I don't think we've got a Blu-ray. I think we just got a DVD over here. Oh, really? No, I got the Blu-ray. I believe. I haven't got the notes up, but no, we had the DVD last year. It's absolute crazy batshit mythology about clowns. It's well-executed, well-told, well-paced. It was way more than I expected. Yeah, yeah. And I think I've come to the opinion that we're going to talk a little bit about, in a bad movie, other things. Yeah. I think Eli Roth should not direct anymore and should just produce. Interesting. He's got an eye for good movies. Yeah. He just can't make them, I don't think. Ooh, controversial. So you're writing off Cabin Fever and Hostel, are you? Cabin Fever's okay. Yeah. Hostel, eh, I can take it or leave it. Hmm, okay. I I don't necessarily think, you know, they're not groundbreaking or anything like that. I mean, they're all right. No, no, they're not groundbreaking, but they're solid enough. Yeah, they're solid. No. But, you know, okay. that's just one... American Idiot's Thought. <laughs> well, there's a lot of competition for that title. Do you know who Donald Trump, our current idiot-in-chief, had next to him on the stage? Take Nigel Farage. Oh, my God. I saw the pictures. Fucking Jesus. hell. Yeah, I know. I turn on the TV and I see the idiot from the UK over here next to our idiot. Oh, yeah. my God. I'm like, oh. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's a meeting of minds, isn't it? Oh, Jesus. Yeah, you can keep oh. him if you want. You can have him and Piers. No, Morgan. no, no, yeah, they no. Fuck off over there. Take, take him back. No. <laughs> Thing is, he's probably similar to the way Trump is over. He's popular over here with a certain demographic. Of course he is. Mm. I can tell you your demographic. Yeah. I mean, I know it's the Nigel Farage demographic. Yeah. Shame he's never actually been voted in to win anything, though, isn't it? Yeah, he yeah. seems to pop up everywhere. I know. Anyway. Anyway, other people can do the politics better than us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I shall continue. Anything else to say on clowns? No. Just that I, I really I really enjoyed it. Just like, to me, it, it just was a didn't take itself seriously, straightforward, fun movie. Okay. Another good one for me is Vampires. Not the John Carpenter one. Okay. This is from 1974. It's Vampires with a Y, not an I. Okay. I watched it because I'm about to review the remake. There's a remake of it, which is out in a couple of weeks here. Okay. So I went back and rewatched the original. I love this film. It's total 70s, post-hammer, gothic, glamour, lesbian vampires. <laughs> Nudity, sex, blood. <laughs> it's all up on there. It's, you know, it's... Where Hammer stopped, this film starts. Gotcha. I just fucking love it. It's great. Yeah, it sounds like your movie, to be honest. Yeah, It's not just the nudity either, even though that does help, obviously. Well, it never hurts. But uh, no, I mean, the, just the cinematography, the, you know, there's lots of shots of uh, old churches and, you know, fog-bound cemeteries and all that sort of stuff. Uh, it all just works. It's just brilliant. Excellent. Just love it. That's fantastic. It is. I'll probably watch the remake tonight, actually, um, and I'm not really looking forward to it. Hey, you never know. Well, I've I've heard a few things. Oh, okay, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, but there we go. Keep your eyes peeled for Flickering Myth over the next few weeks. Hear my thoughts. Gotcha, gotcha. My next good mm. is by a guy that I'm really now a huge fan of. Director called Joe Begos. He did a couple of years ago, he did a movie called Almost Human. Oh, right, yes. I love that movie. Okay. And so when I found out he was doing another movie, been waiting, 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 finally popped up on early release VOD. And it is the Mind's Eye. It is a 80s telekinetic killer movie in all of its wonderful glory. Lovely. Don't know that one. Yep. All the effects are practical. It's wonderful. It's it's a well-told story, well-produced story, well-written story. I am really digging what Joe is doing. I'll tell you that. That's uh, He is one that whenever I hear that name come up, I'm buying his movies. Fair enough. And he does practical effects, too. And they're really good. <laughs> you sound surprised. People can still do them. He, they can, but they usually don't. They they opt in for CGI, but he he has found a way to do practical effects that work within his smaller budgets. This film doesn't have a huge budget. It doesn't need to have a budget. It's got great acting and a great story. That's all you need most of the time. Absolutely. It is... It's great. If you want to, you know, delve a little bit into him, I would suggest uh, listening to Duncan over podcast under the stairs did a, about a half hour interview with Joe Bagos, and it was really interesting. Ah, uh, yes, I think I have that on my iPod somewhere. Yeah, you should give it a listen. Give yeah. it a listen. Okay, I will. But really, uh, you know, I've just become a huge Joe Bagos fan. So Lovely. great movie. Go, I, Chris. I think you'll like it. I think you'll like. No. Oh, well, yeah, you say that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Well, but, you know, when I actually think you'll like something, I, I, I've got a decent track record. Not 100%, but I've got a decent one. <laughs> well, you'll like my next good one. What's that? 
Uh, it's one that you've referenced a few times, so I know you like it. This was a first watch for me, and it is Grizzly. Oh, yes. I actually picked this up in France when I was on holiday. Really? The yes. 1970s Animal Gone Wild film. That's the one. Uh, I was in a shop in France. Uh, it was a, one of these movie poster shop things, and they just had a little stand at the front with some DVDs and Blu-rays in, and I found this on Blu-ray for five euros. Man, you can't beat that with a stick. Yeah, which is about sort of four pounds, something like that. Um, I've actually looked up on Amazon Markets the same Blu-ray, and it was it's like thirty-three pounds on Amazon. I think it's because it's out of print. Yeah, it's out of print. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's a French edition, obviously. But you just turn the language subtitle things off and whatever. Man, how cool is that? Yeah, so I picked it up. I watched it. You know, I love a seventies creature feature. Never seen this one before. Yeah, I thought it was great fun. Yeah, it is. It, it It is what it is. You know, Christopher George playing a, a half-decent guy for a change, instead of the villain. But uh, <laughs> he seems to have a smile on his face. You think you look at him, you're thinking you're really holding that smile and you just want to twat somebody with your gun, don't you? <laughs> but he, he's, he's very nice. He's a nice guy. Isn't it? Um, but yeah, the height of the bear seems to change throughout the film. Well, it's even referenced on the cover of the Blu-ray that it's supposed to be 18 feet. And then I think in the film, he says it's 15 feet and someone says it's 13 feet. And I don't know. <laughs> Who cares? Who cares? Yeah, it's great. It's uh, that sort of post Jaws, you know, nature gone wild in the same vein as Day of the Animals and Orca Killer Whale and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, great fun. Loved it. Have you ever seen a movie called Chaw? C-H-A-W? No. It's an Asian horror film. Mm. Dude. If you love animal movies, Chaw is about a gigantic wild boar that terrorizes people. Dude, you got to get All into right. that action. A bit like Razorback. No, it's a bit like Jaws. All right. If you were to take Jaws, move it on land, put it in an Asian movie, and use wild boar instead of a shark, that's what it is. <laughs> okay. I'm well, telling you, it's good stuff right there. I'll I'm, make a note of that. Hey. I hear you guys are getting Shudder over in the UK. Yes. I haven't looked into it too much, but, uh, yeah, I've seen the uh, the headlines on Twitter and that. So, uh, yeah. That's that's great. I uh, I actually watched Chaw on Shudder. So. Oh, well, I shall, if I subscribe, I shall make a note of it. Right, then. Any more good or do you want to move on to some bad? I've got one more good. Go on, then. It is, yes, it is a found footage movie. Just pause. Oh, just, for fuck's just, sake. Just stop. It's a micro-budget found footage. They all fucking are. No, no, no. This one was, dude, I'm telling you, this one was even better. But this was actually a comedy horror, and it was done by Gav, a.k.a. Gav from Dan and Gav. Your new best friend. My new buddy. Yeah. But, you know, it was funny. I laughed through the whole movie. He's got great chemistry, and maybe it helped that I've listened to their podcast, so I kind of already find them funny. But what was it was about called? it's called preternatural preternatural yeah yeah okay. it it's it's funny it's they're kind of making fun of themselves trying to make a found footage cheap ass movie and they get wound up with some fairies and it ends up having kind of uh you know a movie within a movie within a movie kind of thing and it's yeah. it's well done they don't i think what i liked about it is they don't overextend themselves they they realize they're on a micro budget. They don't try and make these weird big special effects. A lot of the movie just plays on interactions of the of the actors and characters. Okay, ends up being a nice movie. Sure, it's never going to win an Academy Award, but but damn, I laughed for a couple of hours and enjoyed myself. It's really only about an hour and ten minutes, but 
but you laugh for a couple of hours anyway. (laughs) You know what I'm saying. I really enjoyed it. They are definitely making fun of themselves, and it it was just a quirky, fun movie. Where did you see it? I'd known that that Gavin told me that he had done it. No. And then he tweeted me the – or he uh, Facebooked me the link. Okay. Uh, It's on – actually, you can get it on – what is it called? Demo? Vimeo? Vimeo. Yeah, you can purchase it on there. Okay. You know, I like found footage movies, so it was my thing. But it was just – I don't know. It was more than that. It was just – it was – it was just a well-executed little fun comedy movie of two filmmakers making fun of themselves or trying to do a crappy movie, and it had some good scares in it, and it had a great story. So, Well, there you go, as long as you're happy. Well done, Gavin Dixon. Well, he's got more films out there than we have, so there you go. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, That's I'll, right. I'll mention one more good thing, just, to, just for the sake of balance. Bit of an obvious one, really, if you listen to The Strange and Deadly Show, Werewolf Woman. Really? Yeah, I uh, I supplied Strange and Deadly with a copy on DVD. Um, I went and bought it on Blu-ray. Really? Yes. That good, huh? Yeah, well, I I haven't watched it for a long, long time, and I rewatched it to provide feedback for their show, and then I thought, this film's... I, again, it just ticks the boxes for me. So, uh, yeah, I went and bought the Blu-ray. I spoke to Daniel from uh, Made for TV Mayhem, and he said, yeah, you really should get the Blu-ray. So I did. Okay, okay. And, uh, yeah, fantastic, you know... Woman, werewolf, tits, lots of nudity. Fantastic. Ticks the boxes right there. Ticks the boxes. I'm not going to say any more. You want to listen to bigger review, go listen to Strange and Deadly's latest show. There you go. Cheers. And you'll hear my dulcet tones on there as well. <laughs> because I like to invade them every now and again. There you go. <laughs> right, let's do some bad. Give us a let's bad one. Let's do some bad. Bad one. Remember I said how much I enjoyed Clown and that Yeah. Eli Roth should consider just finding good movies and scripts and just producing them rather than actually helming a director thing. Yeah. Bad movie, Green Inferno. Yuck. Hated it. Ooh. Hated the story. Hated the ending. Forget about it. Well, we're going to fall out then. Come on. Seriously? I, I quite Green like the Green Inferno. Inferno. Dude. What? What part? What, oh. what about it did you like? Cannibals. I like cannibal films. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> so it was, it, uh, it, yes, it's dumb. I mean, the guy in the corner wanking and all that sort of stuff. I mean, what's that all about? But I <laughs> I think... Yeah, I th- exactly. I think, I mean, Eli Roth's never been quiet in his love for Cannibal Holocaust. So I can see exactly what he was doing and why he included a lot of the things he did. I reviewed this for Fright Fest when it came out, actually. But yeah, I, I think it's fine. I don't think it's brilliant, but I think it's... For a modern cannibal film, it's better than shit like Welcome to the Jungle, which was an hour and a half of people wandering around with cameras looking at nothing. So it's got gore. It's got cannibals. Yeah, it's dumb, but there you go. It's Eli Roth. <laughs> it's enjoyable. Yeah. I think you if, know what? if you're not tutored in cannibal in the old cannibal films in the 70s and 80s, then I think you wouldn't get a lot from it anyway. No, you won't. No. Uh, but the other thing is um, I didn't like the ending. I thought the ending sucked. I thought it was a stupid ending. I can't remember, to be honest. I haven't watched it since I reviewed it. All right. Well, see. Hey, maybe you uh, didn't like it as much as you thought. No, I just ain't got fucking time. <laughs> I will watch it again. I've got it on Blu-ray. <laughs> Hell, I'm glad I didn't buy it on Blu-ray. I thought about it. Well, I've got a review disc and I bought it. I'm a sucker for a cannibal film. There you go. Give us a bad. Give us a bad. Give us a bad. Oh, I've got a bad one here. I don't know if you've seen this one. It's... Uh, called Dead Time Stories, Volume 1. 
I have I have it on DVD. Have you watched it? Yes. Oh right. But, it's, but it's been a while, Chris. So I really couldn't tell you if I like it or not. Yeah, it was going to be a fucking while since till I watch it again. I tell you that. Yeah, well, I should. The full title is probably George Romero presents Dead Time yes. Stories Volume One. Yes. Yes. I don't think they showed him the film, the anthology stories that are in this before he signed on to it. <laughs> because if he did, he would not have put his name to this. This is absolute shite. I picked this up on video when I was on holiday in France, not on video, on DVD when I was in France for about three euros, which is about two pounds. So uh, I haven't lost too much on it, but um, yeah, three stories all introduced by George Romero, shit CGI effects. Uh, the only redeeming feature is the last stories directed by Tom Savini. Give me the titles of the three stories. Uh, I don't have them to hand, to be honest. Okay. Give me the synopsis of the Savini one. Um, it's to do with... Uh, it's called House Call, actually, that one. I do remember okay. that. And it's about a yeah. doctor called into a farmhouse. I, think, I presume it's 19th century or something like that. To diagnose some uh, kid who's got this... Uh, he's gone weird, uh, but he turns out to be a vampire. God, it's been so long since I've seen that. Yeah, I've actually got a volume two as well. I think I paid like three bucks used for them. Yeah, I don't think I'll probably go to volume two because uh, this one was just shit. It made Creep Show <laughs> three look fucking masterful. Oh dear, God help us. Okay, gotcha. yeah, but yeah, one star film, absolute garbage. Uh, Romero, what are you doing? So my next bad is a movie called The Rambler. Have you seen this one? The Rambler, no. Some quiet drifter leaves prison and then he encounters all these weird people on the road. No, don't ring a bell. It's not a very nonlinear, it's a nonlinear story. Mm -hmm. So maybe I don't do well with those, but I absolutely was so bored, so lost. It didn't care through this entire movie that it just absolutely did nothing for me. Okay. I I just couldn't, couldn't get on with it. You know, maybe people who dig kind of weird nonlinear stories might really like it. It just, for me, just did nothing. I couldn't get excited about it. I was kind of hoping everybody in the movie would die except for the guy's brother because he was just a tangential character that was a nice guy. Nobody right. else could have died and that would have been it made a happy ending for me. Oh, didn't enjoy that one then. No. Uh, never heard of that one. But there we go. Sorry, I'm just typing something. Yep, yeah, right. Uh, another bad one for me. Basic Instinct 2. Why did you watch that? Because I've got the two DVD set of one and two, and I rewatched the first one because I like the first one. It's all right. It's not bad. Yeah. I mean, I watched it to death in the 90s, and it's been a few years, and I picked up this DVD for under two pounds, and it's got both films in it. So, And I put on the second one, which I had seen before, but I couldn't remember it. Uh, yeah, I won't be watching it again. It's fucking <laughs> bad. Talk about Miss the Point. Sharon Stone is just doing a complete parody of what she did in the first one. Really? Yeah. Almost, think Hannibal, uh, not Hannibal, think um, Anthony Hopkins in Hannibal, how he sort of sent Hannibal Lecter over the top. Yep. When you compare it to Science of the Lambs, it's like that, but worse. I've never seen Hannibal. Have you not? Yep. I won't watch it. Oh, you're one of them, are you? I read the book. <laughs> I waited, I waited 10 years for this book. Right. I loved Red Dragon. Yeah. I loved Silence of the Lambs. Waited 10 years. For Hannibal to come out 10 years, I went out and bought it the, the week it was released on a Friday. I read it Friday, Saturday, Saturday night when I finished. I threw the book across the room and said this was the biggest load of crap I'd ever read in my life. I have never read another Thomas Harris book since. That's not true. I did read Hannibal Rising 
and it was as bad or worse than Hannibal. Would it make any difference if I told you the film of Hannibal doesn't end the same way as the book? No. All right. No. <laughs> well, that's a shame because somebody has asked us to do the Hannibal Lecter films. I will be happy to do it, but I will, for the first time in my life, watch it. <laughs> but that means we've got, we'll do what? Manhunter, Red Dragon, Silence of the Lambs, and Hannibal. And Hannibal Rising. Yep. Five movies? Yeah. Okay. Sure. I'll do yeah. it. Okay. Well, he's on the yeah. list. No, no, no. I mean, ab- absolutely. If, if people want us to do that kind of stuff, I will most definitely, I will sit down and I will watch it. Okay. I mean, I like looking at Juliette Lewis. There's, okay. I can, I'm down with that. <laughs> right. Okay. Back to Basic Instinct 2. Yeah, it's shit. <laughs> yeah, she's doing a parody. David Morrissey's in the Michael Douglas role. Um, David Morrissey's one of those actors. I just don't get why he keeps getting work. To me, he's like the British equivalent of Jai Courtney. You just think, why? Why? Uh, Who okay, are you appealing you. to here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if I want to look at wood, I'll go down the fucking DIY shop. I'm not watching this shit. <laughs> I don't get it. Uh, Charlotte Rampling's in it as well, slumming it for some reason. I don't know why. Because I like Charlotte <laughs> Rampling, but I gotcha, I gotcha. Yeah, bad film. Um, I get the feeling it's it was a script meant for something else, and it got shaped into a Basic Instinct thing, you know, like those Hellraiser sequels. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. I think that's the case. It's just bad. I gotcha. I gotcha. Even Body of Evidence is better than that. That's saying something, buddy. Well, yeah. At least you can laugh at Body of Evidence. Yes, yes. There we go. Any more bad, or should we do some ugly? I only have one ugly. Okay. Now, this is yes, yes, it's a found footage. Please sigh. Get it out of the way. Fuck me. Yeah, no. All right. This one is called, it's pronounced Sandman, but it's S, the and sign, man. Um, begins with this guy's obsession with fetish films like Peeping Tom and over the top gore. (laughs) It's not a bad concept. And then, of course, one of the people that he's researching is actually a killer. And he kills his girlfriend. Everybody saw that coming. Not a bad concept, but when you got to put people like the folks who did August Underground as repeated characters in your movie. Oh, fuck that. Yeah. You have really missed the boat. Yeah. Um, this, I mean, this guy went, you know, just I think maybe he was trying to go full on sleaze, but, you know. Yeah, have you ever seen it. August? Have you ever seen August Underground? I've seen one of them. Yeah, yeah, it was utter shite. I I, I made it through like fifteen minutes and said, you know what? This yeah, is just stupid. Yeah, you know, yeah, God I Almighty. I don't know who that who that's trying to but, uh, appeal to. Yeah, it, it just went. It was a decent idea, but then it just got worse and worse. It just went, just went, fell off the rails, and just you know. Okay. It was just an ugly movie. An ugly movie. Okay. I liked Green Inferno more than this. Well, there you go. <laughs> Why didn't you put that one in the bad one then, and Green Inferno in the ugly? Because this is both bad and ugly. Okay. Yeah, Green Inferno isn't ugly. It does look good, doesn't it? Nice colours. Oh, God. Are you kidding me? It's it's gorgeous shooting. Mm. I mean, have you seen like, the countryside of the way he set up the shots and the, oh, yeah. the natives? And, oh, man, it was all great. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm winning you around on it. No, but I agree with you on that. <laughs> Right, then. My ugly is a surprising one, really. It is Batman, the killing joke. Why is that ugly to you? Because they totally missed the fucking point of the graphic novel. Do tell. 
please. I love, as you know, I'm a huge Batman fan. Yes. I love the Killing Joke graphic novel. It's probably my favorite one. But it is... I've got it, I've got it in hardcover. I'm looking at it right now on my shelf. Yeah. It's uh, probably the most problematic one to f- make into a film because it's so short. Because you can read it in about 20 minutes. Right. So, yeah. When they said they were making it, it was like, oh, okay. Uh, you got Mark Hamill back as the Joker. You got Kevin Conroy as Batman. So you got the dream team there. Right. But they've padded it out. The first, you could chop the first half an hour off this and it makes no difference whatsoever. I gotcha. Okay. They've yep. padded it out with this ridiculous yep. Batgirl story. I know why it's there, but it's a long-winded way of setting her up as a character we're supposed to feel sorry for later on. Once the actual killing joke stuff does start... It follows the graphic novel fairly closely, but because you've had to sit through half an hour of complete bullshit to start with, you just don't really care. Ah, uh, gotcha. And gotcha. there's a couple of lines in there which aren't in the book, which they've put in, which make Batman come across as really sappy towards the end. You know, hey, we can work together and we can figure out what's wrong with you. Fuck off. Just nick him. Send him to the asylum. That's what the killing joke's about. They put all this fucking goody-goody shite in at the end. Yeah, I just think they missed missed the boat on it completely. Um, the animation isn't brilliant. Not really when you consider what some of the other uh, animated films that have come out recently are like. Right, right. The voice work's good. Hamill and Conroy nail it again, as always. But, yeah, missed opportunity. Really disappointing. Just say, I've put it in ugly because I wanted so much from this and it just didn't deliver at all. Gotcha. Yeah, I really enjoyed the graphic novel. I will say that. Yeah, and they seem to have taken the colour scheme from um, the reissue, the hardback edition that you've got, is a reprint. Uh, if you've got the original paperback edition, it's a lot more colourful. I did not know that it was a reprint. Yes. Yeah, the original paperback version is uh, got the original colour scheme. It's really bright and quite vibrant all the way through. Now, this one's not. Yeah, and that's the, that's the colour scheme that the film's taken, the darker one. Ah, okay, gotcha. So it's it's not great looking animation. Yeah, it's just it, I gave it two stars on Letterbox. You know, the wow. Book, yeah, the voice works good. Um, and then there are a couple of bits in it, you know, that they copied from the book, which are good, but nah, generally just just fall fell way short. Gotcha. Mm. So there you go. I think we've watched our share of movies over the over our uh, uh, hiatus. We have, we have. Filling those uh, those summer holidays with some movie watching. Why not? That's what they're there for. That's exactly right. Right, and well, should we move on? Let's move on. Let's move on to 1960s Psycho. Here we have a quiet little motel, when in fact it has now become known as the scene of the crime. Can you have a vacancy? Oh, we have 12 vacancies. You know, this is the first place it looks like it's hiding from the world. I think that... we're all in our private traps. Clamped in them. And none of us can ever get out. Is anyone at home? Oh, that, that, uh, that must be my mother. Is anything wrong? Am I acting as if there's something wrong? She's not missing so much as she's run away. Put me down! Mother! Oh, God! Mother! What are you running away from? She looked like a wrong one to you. 
It's not as if she were a, a maniac. She just goes a little mad sometimes. Why, she wouldn't even harm a fly. Right then. Psycho, 1960, directed by Alfred Hitchcock, starring Anthony Perkins, Janet Leigh, Vera Miles, Martin Balsam, John McIntyre, Sideman Oakland, and Vaughn Taylor. Right then, you got a synopsis? Ah, what a uh, Phoenix secretary embezzles 40000 from her employer's client, goes on the run, checks into a remote motel run by a young man under the domination of his mother. Oh, you read that off the same page I'm looking at. IMDb. <laughs> yeah, we did. Right then. So, written by uh based on a novel by Robert Block and yes, there there actually is a trilogy of Block novels. Psycho 1, Psycho 2 and uh, I can't remember the third one. Psycho 3? No, it's not. It's like Psycho <laughs> Amusement Park or Psycho yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I've never read them. I've read Psycho 2 many many years ago. I, I did a long time ago. Uh, didn't, I was going to read them for this show, and then it just time got away from me. But you couldn't be asked. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, the, the first one follows the book. It paces pretty well. Mm-hmm. I know the second one is completely different than the book, and the third one yeah. is, you know. How I feel about Psycho, five-star movie, it's been talked about so much, there is nothing that I can remotely add to the discussion. Yeah, a bit like when we did Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know, it's a film that's been dissected and spoken about and written about so much, you know, we're not going to bring right. anything new to this debate, really. But yeah, it's a five-star film to me. It's Anthony Perkins, to me, is just, he is Norman Bates in the same yes. way, you, you know, people gone about, you know, when they recast a character, you know, like they recast Freddy Krueger and you go, oh, Robert England is Freddy Krueger. Yeah, but I quite like Jackie Earl Haley in certain bits. I don't think there's ever been another Norman Bates apart from Anthony Perkins for me. I, I don't know if you could. I mean, you could try. No, um, we'll we'll get into that a little bit later on with some of the sort of extra stuff. But um, yeah, this wasn't the first Psycho film that I saw. So consequently, I, I'm i going to say I don't have that nostalgic feel for this one as I do okay. for, for one of the other films in the series. Okay, okay. But I think on a f- technical level, yes, this is five star filmmaking. You can't really can't fault this film in any way shape or form you know there's such a big history in the actual making of the film with various sources you can look online and see all these things how they were done and that but um it's perfectly paced the acting is spot on the characters are so well written the dialogue is perfect like i say anthony perkins he just he dominates the film even though he doesn't come into it for sort of the first what is it 25 30 minutes something like that something like that well, I mean, it's, you know, they got to have the whole embezzlement and affair thing going on. And That's running it, yeah, away. yeah. 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 Set out those characters, she steals the money, she stops in the Bates Motel, and, it, you know, it, it goes from there. It, things escalate. You know, there is the only criticism I've ever seen labelled at it, and I suppose, yeah, you could say that, is the ending when the uh, psychiatrist is sort of telling you everything that's happened. Right, right. You know, and it is a little bit, you know, like he's, you know, reading it out of a book, <laughs> you know, Exposition 101. Right, right. But, you know, I I would just put that in, and that's filmmaking at the time, really. You know, audiences may may not have been so savvy to that sort of thing as we are nowadays. That's all. 
there is a call for this. A lot I've heard people call this, you know, the granddaddy of slasher movies. I don't think that's the case, but I think there are elements here that we'll obviously use later on in things like Halloween, which Carpenter picked up on. Oh, sure. Yeah, you know, I mean, this is to slasher movies what I would say, you know, the MC5 were to punk rock, you know, not directly the same, but there's an influence there. Absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, to me, Psycho is just, it's the one of the classics, you know, not what can I say? It's five stuffed birds out of five. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like we're underselling this, really, because we're not talking about it a lot, but there's nothing else you can say. Well, I mean, let's be honest. You know, Tom Elliott from Strange and Deadly said essentially the same thing. I, I just can't say anything more about it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Well, let's move on to something that we can discuss a little bit more. How about 1983 Psycho 2, Chris? Well, yeah, let's play a trailer. I have a petition here signed by 743 people against Norman Bates' release. Madam, please sit down. This matter is being represented by the district attorney. Norman was not convicted of murder. He was found not guilty by reason of insanity. Don't you realize they're going to release a homicidal well, maniac? I ask you to sit down, Mrs. Loomis. It's all too obvious. Our courts protect the criminals, not their victims. Norman Bates is judged, restored to sanity, and is ordered released forthwith. It's 22 years later, and Norman Bates is coming home. I own a motel not too far from here. And you'd be welcome to spend the night in one of the empty rooms if you'd like. Good night, Mary. And he's back in business. Who is this? My mother is dead. I'm telling you, there was a note on that wheel. For my dead mother. Norman, it couldn't be your mother. It had to be someone else. I trust her. She would never do anything to hurt me. No. She'll kill you. I know she will. No, I... I won't do that. You can't make me... kill her. 22 years later, Norman Bates is home. Psycho 2. It's starting again. Right then, Psycho 2, 1983, directed by Richard Franklin, starring Anthony Perkins, Vera Miles, Reb, Meg Tilly, Robert Lozier, Dennis Franz, and Lee Garlington. Yep. Right then. After 22 years of psychiatric care, Norman Bates attempts to return to a life of solitude, but the specters of his crimes and his mother continue to haunt him. Ooh. That's right. Right then. Shall I start? Yes. This was the one that I saw first. Okay. I okay. saw this. This was always in the video shop where I used to go to in the 80s. It was always on the shelf. I'd heard of Psycho. Um, it wasn't in that. I couldn't get hold of it on video at the time, but I rented this or my mum rented it for me. I fucking love this film. It's a good film. <laughs> I have. Yeah, I have a lot of nostalgic love for this film. 
which may sort of supersede how technically good it actually is. But as you'll hear, I think Gore, Gore says the same thing in his feedback later on. It's such a well-crafted sequel to a film that didn't need a sequel. Yes, but it's uh, it's interesting sequel. Yes. It's a, it is, we've got a little bit of slasher thing going on. Yeah. But man, we got a pretty decent crafted whodunit story. Well, yeah. Let's be honest. You know, Norman is back at the motel and he's made friends with Meg Tilly's character who is staying with him. Murders are still happening. Exactly. But we um, we know throughout the film, at least one murder happens when Norman is locked in his attic. That's right. So it can't be him. That's right. So who is it? I don't know. Is it Meg Tilly? Well, she wasn't on the scene in that particular bit either. It could be somebody else. That's right. Could be. I would have liked to have seen more of Meg Tilly. If you handy with the pause button, you do get to see quite a bit of Meg Tilly. Well, you do, but it was one time. I'm thinking <laughs> we needed more Meg Tilly. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, she doesn't give the best performance, but I think she fits the character that she plays very well. Yes, absolutely. Uh, apparently, it, her and Perkins didn't get on. Really? Yes. Um, I was going to mention it at the end, but uh, there is a documentary called The Psycho Legacy. Okay. Um, I'll go into it a bit more at the end. But yes, uh, apparently Meg Tilly and Anthony Perkins did not get on at all. Because this was one of her first films, I think. She was very young, and uh, and he was obviously the, the seasoned professional and didn't take to these young whippersnappers coming in and trying to take over, apparently. That's funny. Mm. Is uh, is uh, Perkins known as a dick or something? Or We'll get into that when we get to the Psycho Legacy. I'll talk to her about it at the end. Okay. okay. All right. So what did you what did you think of Dennis Franz's character? I was about to say Dennis Franz in this. He plays Mr. Toomey. He's brilliant in everything he's in, isn't he? He just plays, He's like Burt Young in Rocky, isn't he? Yes, yes. That's exactly, you know, whatever else, whatever film he's in, that's what he plays. That's right. He is. It's, it's funny because he can almost play a decent guy like in NYPD Blue. Yeah. Or, but he excels at this Burt Young shitty people kind of role. Yeah, you get the feeling, yes. you know, they couldn't get, I mean, Burt Young probably just come off the back of Rocky 3. They probably couldn't afford him. So. <laughs> Who should we get? Let's get Dennis Franz in. Yeah, you know. But I mean, he does it so well. Yes, I mean, he, he is. does. When he's riling Norman up in the uh, when they're in the diner. Yeah. And that yep. you know, the weird thing is in this, you know, Dennis Franz is in Norman's face and he's shouting at him and calling him names and all that sort of stuff. And you are thinking, go on, Norman, pick up that knife. Go on. That's right. <laughs> and you shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah. Because he's thinking, he's quote, nobody quote the villain, but yeah. You know, no, Nobody will care, Norman. It'll be all right. Exactly. You get the feeling if he did that they'd just cover it up for him, wouldn't they? They'd drag the body out the back and no, nothing happened here, officer. After, you know, after they applaud it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's quite weird. You know, in the same way, you know, you get a series like, say, Nightmare on Elm Street, where you've got the villain, Freddy Krueger. But, you know, five films down the line, you're rooting for him. You want to see him off these people. <laughs> yeah, no. And it really is one of those scenes you think, go on, just do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nobody's going to care, Norman. Yeah. Yeah, Psycho 2, I mean, like I said, for, for, Psycho didn't warrant a sequel, really. Um, but it got one. Directed by Richard Franklin, who I believe was a pupil of Hitchcock, possibly. Okay. I okay. think he's certainly done some Hitchcock stuff before. I think that's probably why he was chosen. Um, written by Tom Holland, we must mention, who is obviously directed, directed Fright Night. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's pedigree there. And, uh, I think it, tonally it sticks very close to the original. 
there are some returning characters. Robert Lozier pops up as the sort of well-meaning psychiatrist, who's always a good uh, a good presence to have in a film. Absolutely. I think the only um, a lot of people and Tom Elliott alludes to this in his feedback. A lot of people don't like the ending because of the reveal of uh, I'll fuck it. I'll spoil it. Spoiling a 35 year old film or whatever. But there we go. Um, yeah. At the end, Norman is visited by Mrs. Spool, who's an old woman who works in the diner. And she reveals that Norman who start again. She reveals that the woman who Norman thought was his mother really isn't. It was her sister. Right. And that Mrs. Spool is really his mother, which viewed through the cynical eyes of nowadays where we go, we are just doing that so they can carry on the story. Well, yes, most probably. But there you go. I don't mind it. I don't think it's it, it gives another twist to the story that they're just trying to fuck Norman's head up. And they do rectify it a couple of films down the line. Well, they do. But, you know, let's be honest. It was it was a great twist. Uh, and it also leads to one of the one of my favorite effect shots when Anthony Perkins picks up that shovel and smacks her over the head. <laughs> I love that. I could just have that on a loop. <laughs> it's like the uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre shot. Of the first dude killed in the house. That's it, yeah, yeah. That is exact. It's up there with me with Leatherface's first kill, yeah. Yep. Put those two yep. shots on a loop and that's... Oh, I'd love that. I might do that later. You know what's actually another great shot in this movie? What's that? When the sheriff is eating ice out of the cooler. Oh, yes. It's got the uh, blood... Is that this one or is that Psycho 3? Oh, shit, that's Psycho 3. Yeah. Never... God damn oh, it. Don't, don't jump ahead. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Psycho what, 2... What, what? You know, the thing about this movie and the reveal is, you know that it can't be Meg. You know Norman isn't doing it, or all of them. Mm. You don't know how many Meg is doing. You don't know how many Norman's doing. You don't know how many Vera's doing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, all these characters keep dying. You're not really entirely sure who's doing it. They have to have a reveal. They've got to tie it all up, and they they did that, and I'm okay with that. Mm. You know, I really am, because it ties up the story. And, of course, you know, ooh, wait a minute. I've got a mother here. Well, let's just fix this problem right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a great ending. That's right. It's a great ending. Talking of effect shots earlier, there's another great one in this where Norman is um, following Meg Tilly down the stairs and she starts stabbing at him. Um, he grabs the knife with both hands. Yes. And she pulls it out slowly. You just see the blood come out of his fingers. Yes. And yes. I mean, it's not the most horrific, graphically horrific thing you've ever seen, but you just look at it and go, oh, shit, that's got to hurt. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'd say I love Psycho too. Uh, I think Norman Norman Bates. See, I'm calling him Norman now. I think Anthony Perkins in this is fucking brilliant. Yep, yep. You know, he he owns this the character and the film by this point. You know, so for me, this is also five stuffed birds out of five. Really? Yes, I've watched this more than I've watched the original, and I do love the original. But for me, this is say nostalgia probably plays a bit of more of a part in it, but I can't really fault this. I give this 4.5 because it's just not up to the level of the first. So, well, there you go. That's all right. Exactly. Like, I said, like I said, I would probably say technical level 4.5 and then a 0.5 for my nostalgic love. So there you go. But, you know, what's really fun is I love, you know, I loved Robert Loja in this. I loved Dennis France. It's a good cast. You know, they got a great cast supporting, too. So, I mean, it it all contributes to, to being just a top flight film. Well, you've got the, a few of the original cast members, and then you've got so the new cast members, if you like. And I think yep. every, everybody's reading off the same hymn sheet on it. Yep. They wanted yep. to make a good film that plays homage to Hitchcock and all that sort of stuff. And I think they did it. And, I mean, that's another argument. 
right there for the twist at the end. Yes, yes. I mean, that is, if you didn't do something like that, you're not, you know, trying to go all out for the, uh, you know, the nod to Hitchcock and what he's done over his career. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll go with that. Yeah, it would have been maybe a little bit too straightforward if they just closed it off nicely. Yep, yep. Okay. Because, I mean, let's face it, this was 1960, and you have a guy dressing up as his mother killing people. I mean, Mm. that was, you know, 1960. That's right. You want to come where I live, they do it all the time. Well, in America, you know. Okay. Right then, should we move on to the next one? Let's do it. guy just wants to be left alone in peace. Aren't you going to take him in for questioning or anything? Just leave him alone. Norman Bates is back to normal. But Mother's off her rocker. Again. Norman, is that you? Yes, Mother. It's me. Motel. Aside from total boredom, nothing's going to happen to you here. I can't have that sort of thing going on in my motel. Here's the place of bad name. Why are you so kind to me? You remind me of someone. Mother! I figured Bates was a geek, but a full-fledged Looney Tune? Norman! I'll get you for this, Mother. You haven't got the guts, boy! natural for a son to love his mother. Right then, Psycho 3 from 1986, directed by Anthony Perkins, starring Anthony Perkins, Jeff Fahey, Roberta Maxwell, Lee Garlington, Diana Scarwid and Gary Bayer. Right then, synopsis? Synopsis. Go on then. Norman Bates falls in love with a nun. Gotta love this stuff. Of course he does. Which makes his mother jealous. Um, oh, hell. I, I can't even now. I'm lost. The nun visits the Vates Motel alongside yeah. a drifter and a curious reporter. Yep. <laughs> I know what you did. Then you paused in the wrong bit of the sentence. <laughs> I did. And I got I got <laughs> bumfuzzled. I got bumfuzzled when I did that. It's like, wait a minute. I copied this out of IMDb. I'm looking at the words, but I just can't read them. Oh, well. Right then. Yeah. Norman's back. So's there. So's a nun. So's Jeff Fahey. Jeff Fahey in this movie. Damn, he's like <laughs> he's like Dennis Franz levels of creepy ass bastard in this movie. I think Jeff Fahey does that role very well. It's he those does. eyes. It's those eyes. He does. He does. Yeah. Yep. So basically, Norman's back. Um, he's running the motel. He's being left alone, and he's just getting on with it. And one day, a former nun called Maureen turns up, and go, oh, he sinks back into that mother mode again. He does. He does. He loves Maureen, though. He does. He she wants... loves him. Oh, my goodness. She wants they want to... to hold hands with each other, don't they? <laughs> she wants to hold something else, I think. <laughs> Dirty bitch. But Jeff Fahey... <laughs> oh, like... what? This may be the wrong movie. That's nuns. What is it? Naked nuns with big guns? You nuns with big guns. Thank you. <laughs> Have you seen that? <laughs> yes, but it's been ages since I've seen it. And I've got it on DVD. <laughs> Every... <laughs> Every every time I see this movie, <laughs> all I can think of is 
group nerds with big guns. <laughs> they could do a fan edit, couldn't they? They mash the two films together. Oh, Jesus Christ, it's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to re-watch Nude Nuns with Big Guns. Oh, God. That and Hellride make a nice double pair <laughs> if you're into that sort of sleaze like I am. But yeah, anyway, back to Psycho <laughs> 3. Um, <laughs> yes, I saw this on video lots in the 80s. This was another one that I rented. Um, I loved it in 1986. I remember renting this over a weekend. I remember renting this and watching it at least four or five times. Yeah. So when I rewatched it recently for this show, I didn't like it quite as much. Really? Yes. Okay. I still like it, but I think there is a considerable drop off here. And I think most of it is to do with the tone. It's too comedic. There are too many. I think Anthony Perkins, you know, he directed this himself. I think he plays Norman a little bit too knowing in this film. Okay. He, I think he overplays a lot of his reactions. Like when you were saying about the sheriff when he's eating the ice out of the ice bucket. And, I uh, love that scene, though. That was so good. That's a good scene. And you, I think if you'd done it another way, you could have really cranked the tension up. But I think you looking at it and Norman suddenly he looks at the ice and his eyes go up and he goes <gasps> like that, almost as if it was in a pantomime, you know, as if he was going to turn to the camera and go, oh, no, what's going to happen now, kids? I, I agree. Yeah, I just think I, I agree with that part of it. Yes, and there's too many scenes like that in this film. I just think it's played a little bit too on the nose. When it does get a bit creepy, you know, when he has that fight with um, Jeff Fahey's character in that room and all that, it goes a little bit eighties slasher. But that's the stuff that works for me in this film. I just don't. I, I enjoy it. I think it's very mid level. It's the one I've watched the least. It's the one I enjoy the least out of the original four. Yeah, it, it, it's good, but I don't think it's great. Yeah, I, I think I probably like it maybe a little bit more than you. Okay. I'm not going to call it great, but, you know, I like some of the returning characters. I like kind of what they've done with the Jeff Fahey character. Well, he's sort of taking over from the Dennis Franz role in Psycho 2, isn't he? He kind of is. He's there to antagonize Norman. <laughs> exactly. The, they have absolutely the worst homecoming crowd and homecoming crowd party ever in the history of cinema. Yeah, why would you in this motel? Yeah, (laughs) they're not near anywhere. They're they're terrible people. You almost wish they would have all died. Yeah, (laughs) just oh my god. Again, that's that's when you want Norman to pick up the knife and say, "Go on." Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It'll be all right. But yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah, and I think this came out also around the time of the original Bates Motel TV pilot which we'll get into. And I think tonally it's very, I think this is the pilot for that pilot. I think that's what they're setting up. That's what it feels like to me. If you've ever seen that original TV show, have you seen it? The original TV show or the newer one, Bates Motel? Oh no. Well, we'll get into Tom Elliott mentioned it in his feedback. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've not seen that. I've not seen that one. Okay. Well, I'll mention it now. Um, in 1987, there was a pilot for a TV show that came out called Bates Motel. Okay. Uh, it starred, what's the guy's name? Bud Court. You know him when you see him. He's, okay. You know, uh, what's the, you know the film Heat? Yes. You know there's that scene where there's that guy who's on parole and he goes to work in that diner? Mm-hmm. And he picks up the little, the guy who owns a diner and shoves him on the cooker or something like that? Yeah. Well, that little guy is Bud Court. Okay. He's in a few other things. Um, he plays a character who, going from memory, I think he's called Alex, but I can't remember. 
he plays a character who was in the asylum with Norman and he gets released and he's got nowhere to go. But Norman Bates dies while he's in the asylum and wills Alex the motel. Ah. So this Alex turns up at the motel, you know, and strange things start to happen. The original pilot was, it was a bit like a Freddy's Nightmares type thing. The first story was him coming to the hotel and then creepy goings on with mother and all that sort of stuff. But obviously it can't be Norman because he's dead. Um, and then the second half of it, it goes into a similar thing to Psycho 3. There's a load of, um, like ghosts. We don't know they're ghosts till the end, but there's cheerleaders and, um, what you guys would call jocks and all that who turn up in these old 1950s style cars. Oh, and there's murders and all that sort of stuff. And then you find out that they're ghosts and they were there in the 50s and they keep coming back every so often. Oh, sweet baby Jesus. Hence why it didn't get picked up for a TV show. But, um, yeah, that was the pilot. That was available on video over here on VHS. I used to have a big box video copy of it, which I haven't got anymore. I wish I had. And I think Psycho 3 feels very tonally the same as that. Whether they were made at the same time on the same set, I don't know. I know that they use the same um, hotel props, obviously. And the guy who plays Norman in Bates Motel is the guy who pl- is Anthony Perkins' stunt double. You don't actually see him full in shot. You just see him in shadow. Huh. He does look like him. He's He was Anthony Perkins' stunt double on Psycho 2, 3 and 4, I believe. He's also okay. in the Psycho Legacy documentary. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but that's Bates Motel, basically. It was a pilot for a TV show that never happened. But you, it, it was a. You can still get copies on video. They are floating around if you look on eBay. Okay, interesting. I've never seen it. No, I think if it's probably on YouTube actually. If you see it, you will look at it and you'll go, "Well, that's that probably explains a lot of Psycho Three. Why it feels a bit more lightweight." Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I think they were just desperately trying to make Psycho into a big sort of Friday the Thirteenth style franchise, you know, to compete with all that sort of stuff. I think think that's what they were doing, really, what they were aiming for. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. It kind of does fit in the movie, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. If you watch them back to back, then it definitely fits. But obviously, with the timeline of Bates Motel, if you make it into canon, then you wouldn't have a Psycho 4, because Norman would be dead. Yes, gotcha. But there we go. Yeah. But, you know, it's... This one, I mean, it wasn't bad. It was was good, but, you know... we can see they're starting to go downhill. Yeah, this is like a Nightmare on Elm Street 3 to me. Although I prefer Nightmare on Elm Street 3. You know, when you think, I can see where they're going with this. <laughs> and right. I don't li- I don't quite like it. And then obviously, in Elm Street, you've got Nightmare on Elm Street 4, which was in China. That's right. And, and, and let's be honest, we have not gone full tilt Buster Rhymes and Halloween yet. No, no. But, but, but we are heading in, we're in the 4, we're heading into that, that 5... Halloween five territory that makes no <laughs> God help me. You know, if, if Halloween, if MC hammer had popped up in, in psycho four, then I think, yeah, <laughs> they would, he would, they would have gone full buster arms. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Psycho three. I mean, it, it is, it's the mystery element is gone out of it slightly. Cause you know, by now we're on the third film. We know it's Norman, you know, there's no mystery. And I say it, Perkins just, he's played, he's, he's very good still, but he's playing it a little bit as if, this was a parody, and I think yeah, yeah, it's, it's just exaggerating his reactions to certain things, you know. Yeah. Whoops! Yeah. What's Norman gonna do now? Oh no! Yeah, there's it. a hand in the ice bucket, you know. True, true, true. Jeff Fay he brings it back down with his almost sinister performance. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't like yeah. the woman who plays the nun. I can't remember her name. Diana or something. Diana Scarwood, just whiny, a bit sappy, and a bit wet. 
Well... I know the character's supposed to be, but... Yeah, and I think that's what makes her performance good. Uh, okay. Oh, well, I'm giving it three stuffed birds out of five. I give it three and a half, only because we got to see the nun's butt, and it wasn't bad. I don't think that was hers. <sighs> I think that was a you, double. Damn it. <laughs> you know, go ahead, root it for me. Sorry, I think that's in the documentary. I'm pretty sure. Go from memory. <laughs> but i got to tell you, every time I see this movie, it's all like... <laughs> you nuns with big guns. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have to work We're gonna have to have work that into a show somewhere. Oh, my God. <laughs> thing is, that film is terrible, but I can't help but like it. It's the worst. <laughs> well, considering we're, what we're reviewing after we've done Psycho, yeah, I think... Uh... <laughs> it's the worst. Okay. <laughs> Have you ever seen the movie Nude for Satan? No, we've spoken about this one before, yeah. <laughs> that movie is so bad. But you open up on a completely nude woman running through the forest. I, I, you just can't go wrong. <laughs> I know. Well, that's what these film, cult films are about. That's why I enjoy them. Oh. Anyway. Right, then. Should we move on to the next one? Yes, sir. Let's do that. Let's do that. In 1960... Alfred Hitchcock created a film that is perhaps the most terrifying thriller of all time. Psycho. Now, come answers to the questions audiences have been asking for over 30 years. Psycho 4. The Beginning. This is Fran Ambrose on KTK, Talk of the Town. I call because the focus of your show tonight is what makes boys kill their mothers. Are you saying you killed your mother? I killed some other women, too. You want to tell us about your mother, uh, how she drove you to become what you became? She'd be sweet one moment, and then she'd suddenly turn mean. Don't you have any respect for the dead? How did it all start? What are you doing here? We're gonna wake up your mother. Kill her. I can't, no. Then I'll do it for you. What makes Norman Bates kill? Look at yourself, boy. Ha, girl. Yes, girl. Mama's little girl. How'd you kill your mother? Slowly. this be the end of Norman Bates? Oh, I've killed before. And now I'm going to have to do it again. Or is it only the beginning? Psycho 4, the beginning. Anthony Perkins stars with Olivia Hussey, CCH Pounder, and Henry Thomas as young Norman Bates. Psycho 4, the beginning on video cassette. Right then, Psycho 4, The Beginning, from 1990, directed by Mick Garris, starring Anthony Perkins, Henry Thompson, Olivia Hussey, CCH Pounder, Donna Mitchell, and, for some reason, John Landis. <laughs> why the fuck it's... is John Landis in this? I, I, I don't know. I like I... John Landis, but why is he in this? 
I am very conflicted about this movie. Well, let's do a synopsis first. Let, let, let's. Uh, Norman Bates recalls his days as a young boy living with a schizophrenic mother while fearing his unborn child will inherit his split personality disorder. There's your synopsis. There we go. Right. I love films that have late night DJ phone ins in them. Do you really? Yes. Okay. There was a lot of them around the late eighties, early nineties. I remember. I just love that. It's not not something we get over here, really. The late night DJ phone ins. I think there are a few, but they're generally about people splitting up with their fucking partners, and it's all a bit shit, really. But when you watch uh, some of these films, I I love it. I don't know why. And so yeah, so because that's basically the first two thirds of Psycho Four is. Norman phoning in his life story to a radio show hosted by CCH Pounder, which is a great name. Isn't it, though? She's got that a great is, That is an epic name. Sounds like a wrestling name, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. It does. She's hosting the show and with John Landis working as the producer behind the uh, the mixing desk. I still don't know why. When they were casting it, you know, we need someone to play this engineer. You know who we need? We need Landis. <laughs> I guess him and Mick Garris are friends and he owed him a favour. I don't know. This was an odd movie for Mick Garris to direct. Yeah, it's a TV movie, isn't it? Well, yeah, it is, but still. Uh, well, Mick Garris is strange. Well, he's not strange. He's probably a very nice guy. But he's one of them directors who he's very much one of us. You know, he's a big horror fan. He knows his stuff. You see his name banded around in a lot of documentaries about horror films. But when you say, right, what's Mick Garris directed? This is the only one I can usually recall, to be honest. Hmm. I always associated with Masters of Horror TV series, so. Oh, yeah, well, he did that. But he's yeah. a writer as well. He wrote The Fly 2. Right, right, right. And, Crit- and Critters 2. But as as a director, I'm actually, I'm just going to call up his directing credits because I don't really know what else he's done. I've seen him. In a few- oh, he's done some. Fre- oh, yeah, he did Freddy's Nightmares, didn't he? The Killer Instinct story. Oh, he did. He directed Critters 2 as well. The Stand TV series. Yes, 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 yes. No, he's done a few things. Nothing that's really massive, but he's just hes just one of those names that's always floating around. Right, right, right. You know, again, if you have a panel of horror directors or whatever at a Q&A, he's normally one of them. So he knows his stuff. Yes, he does. He does. So, um, But I wouldn't say he's an auteur. He hasn't got a particular style. I wouldn't say that. No, 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 no. I don't think so either. But, uh, but no, but technically very good. So, yeah, so... Anthony Perkins is back as Norman. He's phoning in his life story to this radio show. And in the flashbacks, Norman is played by Henry Thomas. Yes. From E.T. I think he does all right. He doesn't do bad. You could believe I, 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 you could believe he's a young Anthony Perkins. You could. You could. Absolutely. Uh, we've got Olivia Hussey as Norma Bates, the mother. Yes. You know, Olivia Hussey. Can't act for <laughs> shit, but Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. That scene where she's rolling around on the floor with Henry Thomas and he gets a boner. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, if I was rolling around on the floor with Olivia Hussey, I'd have a stonk you could hang a wet beach towel off, I'll be quite honest. <laughs> you know, that's a mental movie I did not need a ticket to. And that shot of her when she sits up in bed with no top on, it's like, oh, man. Yep, yep. But yeah, then she spoils it by opening her mouth. And... <laughs> And and the that, illusion is shattered. Yeah. The only person that's acting worse than her in this movie is her boyfriend. Oh, he's terrible. Yeah. It just is. He is. Yeah. He is uh, terrible. Again. Um, But there is... Uh, uh, Tom Elliott again alludes to this. There's a thing about this film where Olivia Hussey is obviously a beautiful younger woman than the image of Mrs. Bates that we were all used to. Right. Because 
we're used to an old woman with grey hair and an old cro- croaky voice. And Norman drops the line in this film that she was a young woman, but she always seemed old to me. Yeah, yeah. Which is why he always puts on that croaky voice when he pretends to be her. Uh, it's yep. a little bit of a naff way out, but it's an explanation. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, there's not a lot of stuff. I like the first two thirds of this film, the radio stuff. It drops off for me at the end when they go to the the cashing in bit where they have to show the the old motel. Yeah, I, I love the radio bits. Yes, I th- I thought that that Anthony Perkins radio bits were really good, and then they just kind of ruined it with this other stuff. They had, to and show- I know they have to, but still, you know, it's the same way that you have but to show still. Jason's mask, and you have to show you know Freddy's claw or the boiler room or whatever, you know. Uh, yeah, at the end, Norman has a breakdown. He goes, he gets his, his pregnant wife to go to the meet him at the Bates Motel, and then he tries to kill her before she talks him round by just staring at him. And he suddenly realizes he's not going to murder his wife, and she hugs him, and they go off together. Yeah, I know exactly. Oh, I'm cured. Woo-hoo. I'm cured, and we're going to live for the rest of our life with the, you know, we're both going to pretend this didn't happen, even though I could potentially snap at any moment. Yeah. Yeah, the ending's a little bit too much of a convenient wrap-up, and it just sort of... It takes away from the first two-thirds of the film, which I really, really enjoy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It sort of writes off a lot of what's happened before, because there was a talk of this being the only official sequel to Psycho. I don't think that's the case. There is a very small drop line that Norman says, I haven't killed for four years, which obviously means that the Psycho 3 did happen. But then you're thinking, well, let's look at this, Norman. You've murdered... Somebody, you went away for 22 years, you came back out, you murdered again, they put you back inside, and it's only four years later, and they've let you out again. I don't fucking think so. Yeah, yeah. You know, you've got got a history. (laughs) Why were people trying to claim that this was the only sequel? I think, I've I've read it in a few places, and I think it's just one of those things where they, you know, they try and retcon a few things, and they, oh, well, you know, that last film, that didn't happen, we'll continue this on from an earlier part, you know, like they did with Friday the 13th, you know, part five didn't happen. You're supposed oh, to geez. think that six carries on from number four and all that. Oh God. I, hate I think people, people just do that Jesus. when they, when they don't particularly like a film, I will forget that happened. Oh, sweet baby Jesus. But there we go. Yeah. Screw them. Yeah. You know what? Not a great movie, but it's an average movie. I gave it a 2.5. Ah, well see, I like it more than you then. I gave it a 3.5. Wow. Okay. I like this more than I like Psycho 3. Ooh, no, I like Cycle 3 more. Well, damn you. Hey. No, I like this one more just for that first, those first bits with CCH Pounder and John Landis. Right, right. I like those bits. So it drops the ball at the end. That's when I just, I can just literally, when Norman hangs up the phone to the radio station, I can turn the film off and that's done for me. I don't need that end bit. Look, let's be honest. Mick Garris took off for Hawaii and everyone phoned in the ending. Yeah, I think that, that, that was probably that what was, it is. Giant cop out. That is probably they probably it's a studio ending. Let we you know we've got to show the motel. We've got to have Norman flip out and then be talked round again. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it just it doesn't make sense. It's just bollocks. But yeah, scared. Woohoo! You know. Yeah, that last fifteen minutes is terrible. But I think the first, however long the film is, is really good. Perkins, Henry Thomas, even Olivia Hussey, she's not speaking. They're all okay. They're all believable. <laughs> And her boyfriend isn't speaking too, let's be honest. Well, he's there. You know he's going to get it. He's there. He's set up just to be murdered, isn't he? Yep, yep, exactly. Which he does. You wish it had been with the knife, though. 
Uh, poison was slower. I'm okay with it. Yeah, it looked quite painful, didn't it? It did, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah. There we go then. Yep. So two point five for you, three point five for me. Right. Let's let's rank them. Well, should we do a quick talk on the remake? the remake in our rankings are we yeah go on we may as well oh jeez okay all right fine well it is go part ahead. of it isn't it i'll just say now psycho was remade in 1998 by gus van sant starring vince vaughn and he's julianne moore vigo mortensen william h macy it's a shot for shot remake of the original it's in color it's not very good there you go i will now i'm gonna say that i am tom thank you i am stealing this from you mr elliot what he says and I, I'm going to paraphrase or quote. It's like a group of people got together and put on a play of Psycho. Yeah. That's exactly – I could never figure out how to describe it. Tom, I'm stealing it. That is exactly it. It's it's okay. It's people putting on a play. Let's leave it at that. If you've never seen the original or any of the sequels and it's your only exposure to a Psycho film, then it's okay. Yes. But it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> it isn't the only psycho film. Right. Right, 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 right. And I think I think this is retconning it a bit. I think years after it came out and it got really slated and everybody said, well, it was just an experiment in filmmaking to see if it would still stand up to modern tech, modern filmmaking, you know, and all that sort of stuff. I think that's bollocks, personally. I think they just wanted to remake the film, get some, yeah. to make it yeah. into a colour modern film. This is not a film that relies on effects. This is no. not a film that relies on... Anything other than people who can act and someone who could write and someone who could direct it. That's it. That's why it succeeded in 1960. That, you know? And to copy it with exactly the same sort of directing style and script and all that in the 90s, it's going to be a bit flatter. Of course it is. All it does is to highlight how good Hitchcock and Perkins and everybody else involved with the original was. Exactly. Exactly. But I love Tom's description. If you take it as going to see a play based on Psycho, hey! Okay. That's it. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Thank you, Tom. I'm not Perfect. gonna. I'm not gonna say that it's. Oh, it's shit. Uh, because you know, technically, it's a well put together film. But yeah. I don't particularly like it. I don't think it needs to exist. 
Um, say so I watched it again for this uh, show. I'll probably never watch it again. I'll just watch the original. There you go. So there we go. That's Psycho. Uh, what are you giving uh, Psycho 98? I, I, I give it a two. I mean, it's... Yeah, I'm the same. It's two. You know, like I said, if you don't want to watch any of the originals and you just want to watch a Psycho film, why would you? I don't know. But if you did, there you go. There it is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right, and are we going to rank the series? You know what my ranks are, right? Yeah, I've got everything written down here. So let's yep. go in our preferred order. And I'll point out now, this when we do this, this is our preferred order of the films, not necessarily what we think are quote-unquote the best. And I'll explain why. <laughs> what the hell did you just say? When we rank these films... Yes. I've always got in theory that we are ranking them on the order that we like them the best. Yes. Not yeah. necessarily what we think are technically "quote unquote" the best, because they're different. Uh, I, maybe they are. I just rank them how I like them. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, okay, I'm, all right. All I'm right, answering right. a question that I, somebody asked me a while ago. Oh, really? Okay, no. For for all of our handful of listeners, hi mom. For both of our listeners, that's right. Hi mom. Uh-huh. I rank them how I like them. Enjoyability, I think, is the key. Yes. Again, it's so, that thing I've always said it before. If you put them all down in front of me and say, right, watch one now. Yep. There you go. Well, yep. Which one do yep. you pick up? So yep. go on then. What's your favorite? Psycho. I'm going Psycho 2. Okay. Psycho 2. All right. Yes. Go ahead. Next one next... is Psycho, the original. Yep. My next one is Psycho 2. So there you go. Yeah. And again, there's not a lot between them. It's just that I have that nostalgic love for the first one, and that's the one I right. always gravitate towards. I don't, exactly. ne- I don't necessarily think it's technically a better film, but that's the one I'll go to. Exactly. You like it a little. You just got that little yeah bit that, that attached better. to it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What's your third favorite then? The third. I'm going Psycho Four. Okay. You just like to be different, don't you? Yeah. And then I'll go Psycho Three. Yep, I'm Psycho Three, Psycho Four, and then the remake, and then the remake at the end. So there you go. We're not we're not too far out. Exactly. Exactly. What about the new Bates Motel? Um, I've seen the first series. It's all right. I like. Is it Vera Farmiga? Her name. I like her anyway. I've only seen the first season. I really enjoy it. Yeah, I really enjoyed the first season, but you know, I I haven't watched any of the other ones. I watched, so, I watched the first episode of the second season, but I've okay. of dropped off after that. Not through any indifference or anything like that. I just haven't got time to watch them all. Yeah, 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 yeah. The trouble yeah. is with it, and I'm I'm like this on all TV series, they're trying to cram in all these different elements that actually steer away from the original idea of Psycho and Norman Bates. Okay. Because he's hardly in the first season, is he? It's more about the mother. It is. It, it is. They're and trying to set. They're trying to. Set, I think you're right. Okay, I, I see what you're saying. And yes. all TV series do this. You know, it's like if you did a suddenly did a TV series of say Nightmare on Elm Street. You know that Freddy Krueger probably wouldn't pop up till halfway through the first season. You know, he'd pop up. Ooh, in one. I don't think so. Do you know what I mean? But it's oh, that thing. No, 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 no. I think no. they do. I think if they did a TV series about Friday the third or Friday the uh, or Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the, Elm the first Street. season would be you know the first season would all be about Freddy Krueger. Nobody else. No, not the way these. They'd say, oh, oh no. no, they'd have to bring in all these other characters and they'd have to pad it out to his background. And then they'd bring him in about halfway or two thirds through the first season. I think they'd use all the characters just as kids. Well, I guess that means they'd have to bring in more characters. All right. Maybe you're right on that. Do you know what I mean? They just they 
They go, I know what we can do with this. Let's bring in this character and this character and this character. And they can all be around the main character. And, you know, by the end of the first season, we may have a little thread that leads to to the stories that you already know. Okay. And it's just my problem with TV series in general. It's like, I don't know who you're appealing to. You know, what's funny is I think that's why I liked the remake of Nightmare a little brighter than you is because I enjoyed what they did with um, Freddy Krueger background. We'll get there eventually. But I mean, I, I dig a little background. I would watch. Oh, a, I don't. I don't mind background, but I, they tend to the stuff that they bring in isn't anything to do with the main character generally. I don't give a fuck about isn't. Norman Bates's brother. He didn't have a brother in the original. I don't care about that. Well, we don't know that he didn't have a brother in the original. How do we know that? Because there wasn't one. Are you sure? Yeah. Did you see one? No, but that doesn't mean he didn't have one. Oh, come on. <laughs> I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. It's like I said, they just, they pad it out and make it around about all the secondary characters. As if to say, well, we can't go down that first story because, you know, Norman Bates is an old character. Blah, blah, blah. Well. I just think they pad these things out. You know, no one's got the balls. Well, they're starting to. Okay, they're starting to. No one has the balls to make short TV seasons that focus on one thing. If they had made a nice one or two season TV series about Norman Bates as a kid, and stop there. That'd be great. But mm. they bring in all this extra stuff to make it go on, yeah. on, and on. You look at something like Ash versus Evil Dead. Yeah. Ten episodes that are, what, 30 minutes each, 35 minutes yep. each, something like that? Yep, yep. All got Bruce Campbell, all got Deadites, because that's the reason you're watching them. Yep. There you go. Short, sharp, sharp. That's all you need. Yep. Short bits of Norman Bates, touching on the bits of the plot that we already know, that Psycho 4 introduced, all those background bits. Right, show us that. Don't show me about a brother that you haven't fucking mentioned up until now. Don't show me what his friends are doing at school, because I really don't give a shit. Exactly. And what's wrong with leaving on a high note? Yeah. So you only make two seasons. Big deal. Hey, it's awesome. Two seasons of great TV is better than six seasons of gibbering shit. Yes. And this is, I am a, everybody who knows me knows I'm a Stephen King super fan. Mm. If they had decided to make a couple of seasons only, about the dome they would have come off a lot better than the shit that they tried to pull with yeah. their four season nightmare of under the dome craptastic well they stretch thing. these things out don't they oh beat a dead horse this is why i can't get into tv i just can't do it it does it makes it really hard mm. you know it really I can stick on, you know, Psycho 2 or Psycho 4, whatever, and get a couple of hours with Anthony Perkins as Norman Bates, and that does me. I don't need to sit through, you know, 25 episodes of what his mother was doing, you know, while the other brother was out riding a motorbike and knifing people. I don't care. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, yes, I absolutely agree with that. And I think, say, I think Ash vs. Evil Dead's got it right. You know, those short shot shots are the things that we like. Of the bits that we like from Evil Dead 2 and Evil Dead 3 and all that sort of stuff. But let's be honest, we do you want four seasons of that? Uh, no, but they're not four seasons in yet, are they? No, they're only one, but they're going to renew it again. Yeah. Did really well. And I think but, I, I think once you've done the end of the second season, is that I know they're not going to, because if it's making money, then they're going to keep doing it. But I think yes. creatively, that's the time when you look at it and say, right, we've done two seasons, let's go out on a high while it's still fresh. You know? Yeah. Uh, it's a bit of an old example, but and I know looking at him now, you wouldn't think that. But if you look at Ricky Gervais and what he did with The Office, you know, over here, he did two seasons and that was it. There wasn't a third, third season. And he says, 
He said, why drag it out to a third season? Leave it at two. Well, leave them wanting which, more. Which one was this? The Office. You know The Office? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was only two seasons over, over there? Over here, yeah. The, oh, yeah, you Americans, you dragged it out to fucking years and years and years. Over here, it was only two seasons, and then he wouldn't do any more. Right. Because it was like, well, what? I mean, he's come back now. He's doing the David Brent film, which which I'll probably see anyway. But, uh, yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, but why, why drag something out and make it become... You know, I mean, Walking Dead, fuck's sake, I gave up half of season two. I've seen enough. Right. I've seen enough. I don't need any more. Exactly. <laughs> I don't need to see any more people in a building refusing help and then accepting help and then shooting zombies in the head. Because that's all it is. And I've seen it all before. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But there you go. Right? There we go. That was a lively debate. That was. We haven't had that much of a debate since your atrocity Amityville thing. Oh, you no. mean the greatest uh, possession film ever made? Uh, after yeah, Exorcist. yeah. Oh, jeez. Okay. Well, before we wrap up on Psycho, I was going to mention it. Uh, the Psycho Legacy documentary. Okay, go ahead. I've never seen it. Never seen it. It came out about five, six years ago. It's a two-disc DVD set. The main feature is only about an hour long, but there's about four hours worth of extras. Um, it's a similar thing to those, um, you know, like the Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street documentaries that came out. It's a bit like that. Right, right. They interview people from um they interview the, any of the crew members from the original film who are still alive okay the guy who wrote it i can't remember his name it's slates me right now but he's interviewed for it lawrence block no the guy who wrote the screenplay not the novel oh i don't know that i can't remember his name but they interview him uh they interview people from psycho 2 tom holland robert Lozier, people like that Perkins stunt double whose name i can't remember he's quite prominent in it jeff fahey and all those all the people involved in the Fame 4 films, there's archive footage of Anthony Perkins at a Q&A, which is quite good. He does reveal in the Q&A that the famous psycho shower scene was not him. Really? Yeah, it wasn't him. It was uh, his double. Not the same double who's in Psycho 2, 3 and 4, but it was somebody else. Why is that? Because he was in a play. He wrapped up filming and he was in a play in New York while they were filming that bit. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, he said it's his most famous scene and he's not actually in it. Uh, but yeah, he gives uh, some good stories. But yeah, it comes across, you were saying earlier about Anthony Perkins being a dick. I don't think it's necessarily him being a dick. I think he was very much old school Hollywood. He expected a certain standard out of people and he didn't always get it. Uh, okay, I gotcha. I, I understand what you're saying. It's more that people, most of the people speak very highly of him. Okay. But they said there there were occasions where he would be a little bit of a diva, um, especially on Psycho 3 when he was the director. But, oh, really? Yeah. But, you know, but they said he, that's just the way he was. He was old school Hollywood. You know, he came up through the ranks like a lot of them did. And, uh, yeah, but everybody speaks of him quite favorably. But they also reveal he did, him and Meg Tilly didn't get on. Uh, I haven't watched it for a while, actually. I can't think of anything, any other juicy. Interesting. Things. Interesting. But yeah, it's it's a good documentary, so it's the main bit of it's not very long. It's a two disc set, you can get it really cheaply. Yeah, it only got a UK release last year, but I had a region one DVD from about five or six years ago. So yeah, it's worth picking up if you're a fan. There's some good uh, good bits of information. Yeah, it it does sound like I was just thinking. It really does sound like. I, yeah. I maybe I'll have to give that one a watch. That was it. That's psycho done and dusted then. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad we did this one. So am I. So am I. Oh, a, couple, yeah. a couple of people mentioned it about doing it. It's one I always wanted to do because I am the Norman Bates fanboy. Are you really? Yeah, I think he's a great character. He's Norman up there. Bates. He's up there with the best, best of them for me. 
But yeah, I've actually, I can't remember who said it. I can't take credit for it, but um, it was on a podcast. They were talking about Psycho and they said, if you imagine all the horror villains in one room, Jason, Freddy, Leatherface, Pinhead, Norman Bates, all of that. And they said, Norman Bates is the scariest because you look at him and he, he looks like a normal guy. Right. And they said, imagine if son, suddenly someone turned the lights out and then they turned them back on. Norman Bates would still be the guy standing there. All the others would be butchered to death around him and he'd just stand there with a casual look on his face like what yeah <laughs> that's true he would <laughs> you know you know freddy's evil when you look at him you know jason's evil you know leatherface is evil <laughs> you can't tell that by looking at him no no you can't no so uh yeah glad we did psycho enjoyed that hey you know what we should do though we got some like we've mentioned we got some feedback from gore blimey trilogy of terror podcast and tom elliott Grindhouse Tom from what he's got a Twilight Zone podcast. He's got Strange and Deadly with Chris. Oh, he's got all sorts going he's on. He's got that all way. sorts of stuff. I know. Let's play the feedback. Let's play Tom's feedback first. Hey, fellas. Tom Elliott from the Strange and Deadly show with a bit of feedback about the Psycho series. Now, some might say that the Psycho series shouldn't really be a series because that first movie is, you know, of such high pedigree. It's a Hitchcock movie. But, you know, I'm not one of those people. I uh, I actually really like this series, but I've got to go off the top of my head because it's been years since I've watched them. Uh, so I will just rattle off some random thoughts as I go. I mean, the first movie, what can you say? I always find it difficult to discuss something that's always been discussed to death anyway. So, you know, I love it. It's a classic end of. Now, the second movie, I remember when I first saw it, and there's all this sort of thing about, well, Norman's mum wasn't really his mum, and, and that kind of thing. And I remember watching it thinking, oh, you can't really do that, you know. I think I was still so beholden to the first movie that I was a bit like, hmm, I don't know about that. But um, it's probably the the best made of the sequels, but it's probably the one that I've watched the least, strangely enough. But, um, you know, I think it's a decent movie, but I need to refresh my memory on that one to to really give an opinion. Now, the third movie is... Uh, that's quite quite the thing, because, I mean, over the years, Anthony Perkins, I think, wanted to push away the Norman Bates character because he was a bit typecast, but then... As the years went by, he kind of came back around and, you know, embraced uh, the character of Norman Bates and would go to conventions and that kind of thing. I really liked the third movie. You know, it's it's the one that people hold up and say, oh, but it's just a slasher movie. You can't make a slasher movie about, you know, about a Hitchcock movie like this, etc., etc. But again, I don't care. I think it's it's a lot of fun. I always just like watching Anthony Perkins do his thing. You know, I thought he was great when he was doing his Norman thing. He was a bit bigger in the character now. He was really hamming it up a bit, I think. It was a bit more subtle in the first movie. But who cares? You know, that's what I'm there for, to see him do his thing. Now, the fourth movie, uh, it's it's not great. You know, it's not great. Very odd choice to have a young Mrs. Bates being this sort of, is she Italian or Spanish or something? I can't remember this gorgeous sex pot when we're so used to her being this creaky old woman, you know, because you would think that Norman would be uh, impersonating his mother's voice. Well, why isn't he impersonating it with an accent, you know? So it's a bit of a strange choice, but again, it's, 
it's a bit of trashy fun. It's not great, but I I treat the series as a little bit of a guilty pleasure, but I'm not that guilty about it, to be honest. Um, the remake, you know, I'm not going to come down. I don't know whether you're covering the remake. I'm not going to come down on it too hard. You know, everyone was up in arms about it. I saw it. It was just like another group of actors doing a play. That's the way I saw it. It's not as good as the original, but it is what it is. I'm, you know, far too old to get all angry about things on the internet anymore. You know, that's for other people to do. I don't know how complete you're going to be, whether you're going to cover that old Bates Motel TV movie thing that was supposed to be a series. And I don't mean the current series. That was pretty rubbish but that's all I can really say about that one. But anyway, yeah, Guilty Pleasure series that I'm not too guilty about. I enjoy it, and, you know, I'd love to sort of cover it in a podcast form myself one day, and I might just do that, but we'll see. It's uh, I, I look forward to hearing what you guys think, and I think it's going to prompt me to have a long overdue rewatch. Thanks, guys. See you later. All right, thank you very much, Tom. Very nice to hear from you, as always. And we've already... Uh talked about your feedback throughout the show and oh yes yes i mean thank you tom yeah As i mean a- like you said you know you, you there's not a lot else you can add to the uh to the first film um, i'm glad he likes psycho 2 uh yes yes me too i think he likes psycho 3 maybe a little more than i did but i like psycho 4 a bit more than he did <laughs> okay i can't disagree with that yeah so there you go that's about it really <laughs> thank you tom um, we've also got some feedback from our good mate Gore. Oh, um, I probably should have played this earlier because it's only really Psycho 2 centric, but uh, we'll play it now. That's okay. That's okay. We'll play it now and we'll come back in just a moment. Hi guys, it's Gore Blimey here from the Trilogy of Terror podcast with a few thoughts about one of the films you're covering. Now, I absolutely love Psycho and I have done from the first time I saw it, but I couldn't imagine how or why anyone would think they could pull off a decent sequel. So I already had pretty low expectations when I thought I'd give Psycho 2 a try. Gotta say though, I was actually pretty impressed. Okay, it's never going to have that iconic status the original has, but I admit I really got into it. Now, this was produced at the tail end of the stalk and slash period, and it would have been so easy for them to go down that route. But much as I love a good slasher movie, or even a bad one, I'm kind of glad they didn't go that way. Because what we got instead is an intelligent mystery and psychological thriller. It's got tension and atmosphere, and there's a brilliant nuanced performance from Anthony Perkins as Norman. Has he really been returned to sanity? Is he delusional? Is he being set up? Is he dangerous? I love the fact that his acting alone kept me guessing all the way. I don't think anyone needs to have seen Psycho to enjoy this sequel, but as someone who has, I loved all the visual references to it. The directing style and cinematography in places are a very deliberate homage. There's some recognisable imagery that's referenced too, either directly or more subtly. Like, for example, I loved where a victim's fingers are seen dragging down a grimy window, which mirrors Janet Lee's hand on the shower tiles during the original shower murder. It's got some nice touches of its own too. I like the shot of the shiny brass doorknob with the reflection of Norman as a child. I was interested that every time we see him wearing a jacket, the collar's always turned down slightly wrong. I love how he attempts to break away from his old self, and it's symbolised by him painting the motel a cheerful yellow, but he never finishes it. And then there's the stigmata-like wounds he gets towards the end. Loads of stuff that kept me thinking while I watched. 
when they scored this it must have felt like a brave choice not to use the really famous music for the first film but i think the music here is fantastic it's beautiful and works incredibly well I thought the pacing was good too, it never flagged for me, and I didn't check my emails or Twitter once. Remember, this is a film that goes on for nearly two hours. They really crank up the action towards the end and throw in quite a few big twists. That's where it could have easily got very silly, but I was with it all the way and I really enjoyed it. During the first half it did feel like there were a few plot holes or things that seemed unlikely people would do, but as it went on it all kind of made sense. For a horror film of that time, there's not a massive body count, but the kills do seem to have more impact because of that. Especially that one at the end that really did strike me. And the victim as well, obviously. For me, it had that same kind of violent shock value as Leatherface's first kill in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The only thing I wasn't too fussed by was Meg Tillier's Mary. I really like her character, and I think she's interesting and well-written, but I did find the acting quite flat. Not a terrible performance as such, she just didn't seem to show any emotion or change her facial expression through a lot of the film. But that's the only complaint I could find. Overall, Psycho 2 was a pleasant surprise. Thank you, Gore. Always nice to hear from you as well. And you know what? I got the real impression that Gore liked it about on on our level. Yeah, I think he hit, you know? he hit the similar points that we did, really. You know, Psycho didn't need a sequel, but it got one. And, you know, if it's going to have a sequel, it needs to be as good as this. So, yeah. Right, right. I like Gore's feedback. He only ever sends in feedback about one film in a series. Yeah, but, you know. But he's always got something good to say. He does. And the same way on his podcast. They're not very long, but he's always well, he's well, he's just, he packs a lot of punch. Oh, yes. Yeah. 30 minutes. <laughs> I mean, really, it's, uh, I always love hearing Gore's opinion on things. This is true. This is true. And we'd like to hear some more opinions from people. So if you've got any feedback for anything that we've covered or you want us to cover, do send it in ancientslumberpodcast at gmail.com or catch us on Twitter. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right then, let's move on to the main event then. Oh, God help me. No. Yeah, we're going to do a quick review of uh, a film which Myron loves. I'm gonna oh, have to, yeah. I think I'm going to have to speak over him just to shut him up on this one. Oh, God. Let's play a quick trailer and then we'll get into it. Anthem Pictures reluctantly presents what is considered to be the worst horror film of all time. Your skin will crawl. Your stomach will turn. I have to go restroom. I mean restroom. Your blood will boil. Dining will never be the it's same. It's all caught in blue. I've never tasted anything so unique. It's delicious. Dismemberment. Death. Oh, man. Distastefulness. My hemorrhoids. Microwave massacre. This is it, May. You're a walking contraceptive. Say, you know, you look so much better in the dark. I've told you a million, billion, trillion times. You are what they eat. I know I'm going to be sick. Too many bombs.
Microwave Massacre from 1983, directed by Wayne Berwick and starring Jackie Vernon, Al Troop, Marla Simon, Claire Ginsberg, Luan Weber and Lauren Shine. Shane? I don't know how you pronounce that. Apologies if I got your name wrong. Right then, synopsis. Fed up of his wife's bad cooking, Donald kills her and turns to cannibalism to satisfy his appetite. Yeah, there you go. That's probably a better synopsis than what actually happens. God, yes. Absolutely. (laughs) This film just had a Blu-ray release from Arrow Video here in the UK and in the States, I believe. So, yeah, Microwave Massacre. Made in the 80s. Microwaves were, were new then in 83. Well... I don't reckon this was... Fi- I know this wasn't filmed in 1983. This was filmed way before. Uh, I have read 1981, but I would even put it further back than that. I would have said 78, 79, to be honest. I mean, let's let's be honest. When the microwaves first came out, they they were big, but they were not that big. <laughs> were they not? Christ. No! Yeah. <laughs> Jesus! Yeah, the microwave in question in this film is about the size of... If you had one on your wall now, people would think you've got a widescreen telly. It's huge, this thing, isn't it, in the kitchen? Oh, oh, it's it's as big as an oven. Mm. But for a film about that, there's not actually a lot of microwaving done in it, is there? I imagine, ah. the, imagine the way that thing was wired up. As soon as you turned it on, it probably fucked all their cameras and microphones up anyway with the electric sound waves and shit. But, uh, yeah, basically, this film opens up with one of the greatest opening scenes ever. Yes, I, I will absolutely get behind that 100%. I'd like to get behind that. And, yeah. Oh, yeah, some, oh, dear Lord, help. God, blimey, yeah. Marla Simon plays a character who's listed as not whole girl. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> she marches down the street with no bra on and some very skimpy shorts. And the way, and I don't know the way they, they I mean... You got the camera shot on the hooters, then you got the camera shot on the butt, then you got the pull-away <laughs> shot, then you got the boobs, you got the butt, you got the pull-away... Oh, Jesus. Now, this doesn't show me in a very good light. Not that I've ever been shown in a very good light anyway. <laughs> but as she was walking down the street, clearly got no bra on, to my experience, world-weary eyes, I thought to myself, I hope we get to see what they look like. And we do, because she shoves them through a hole in a wall on a building site. Yes. For a builder to come running at from the other side. And just before he gets to grab them, she pulls them away. That's right. Now, two questions. First of all, how does she know when he's near the hole? Because there's no eye hole for her to look through. Who cares? Secondly, why? Just Who why? cares? Why is this scene here? Because it's got two large boobs. I know. Yeah. If you actually if you watch the special features on the disc, uh, there's an interview with the director, Wayne Berwick, is it? Did I say? Yeah, Wayne Berwick. And he says that that film that was added in that wasn't their original opening scene. They did that in afterwards because they they uh, he, they couldn't technically do what they wanted to do. Why is that? Uh, it was to do with microwaving lots of food. Oh, oh god! Yeah, it was just one of those Jeez. things. He said it was too expensive; they couldn't do it. Blah blah blah. So they had to come up with something quick, and this is what they came up with: girl shoves her tits through holes in the fence, which I think is good, very good for the academy as. My little police academy quote is going to be yes. So yeah, so there's that oh, opening scene. You know what? And if the movie had stopped, if the movie had stopped there, it still it would have been a five out of five for me. <laughs> God help! But no, it, it, this scene serves to introduce us to the, the builders on the site, 
the main one is Donald, who is played by Jackie Vernon in a role that was originally they wanted Rodney Dangerfield for. And you can see that, but they couldn't afford Rodney Dangerfield. Uh, so they got Jackie Vernon. Do you know who Jackie Vernon is? Is he a, no, a big name or anything? I never... No, I don't know who he is. Who no. is he? See, no, he was one of... Just while I was watching the film, because I'll be honest, he's fucking terrible. Everyone in this movie is fucking terrible. But I just got the feeling that... Why, you know when you just see some people on a screen and you think, I should know who that person is, and I don't. And I just got the feeling that I should know who he was, and I didn't. And I've looked at his IMDb, and I can't really say there's anything in there that I've ever seen. He's done some TV, but he was in some episodes of Chips, so I might have seen him once when I was about four. But, yeah, he can't act, he can't deliver a line. There was a couple of scenes I did snigger at him, though, when he's arguing with his wife about her cooking, and some of his comebacks are quite good, but he can't deliver them. Yeah, so he goes home, he's got his wife who's got this brand new microwave oven and she's making him the worst fucking food ever by the sounds of it. And the thing is, he's not even, to be, he doesn't even kill her over the over her food. It's the fact that she won't let him eat with his hands, isn't it? I don't even remember. Yeah, Jesus. she won't let him and, eat. And, and look, let's be honest too. They have the worst god-awful strip club known to man in this <laughs> It's just a bar with a woman dancing in it. God, Jesus. A barman who hates everybody and doesn't want to talk to anybody. God almighty. Let's cut the crap. We're giving this film tar far too much credit. It's a yes. short film. It's only about 75 minutes long. Yeah, basically, Donald gets kills his wife and he gets the taste for human flesh cooked in a microwave. He gives it to his colleagues. They like it as well. And then he starts going around meeting young women and killing them. There's nothing too graphic in this film. There's a few sex, awkward comedic sex scenes. I did laugh at some of this. It did make me laugh. Some of it for all the wrong reasons. There's not a lot to it. You hated it. I quite enjoyed it, even though I know it's shit. It's got several pairs of boobs in it. It makes it passable for that. Only that. But what I do want to know is I don't have the Arrow version, but I do have a... I was able to watch it. Yes. Tell me about the Arrow version, because that's really what you're after, is we're after review the Arrow version. Movie sucks... But what did Arrow do? Arrow gave us a 2K restoration from the original camera negative. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't Man. warrant that, really. I'd hate, you know, I went I'd, after it. I hate to see what the original negatives look like. To be fair, it is fairly clean picture. It's quite brightly coloured in most places. There's not a lot of gore in it, so there's not a lot to really sort of stand out, if you like. But, you know, it's bright and cheery. It looks quite nice. Got it. Yeah, it's a dual format package. You get a DVD and a Blu-ray. Wow. Okay. Okay. There's an audio commentary from producer Craig Muckler. Oh God. Okay. I haven't listened to, but I might go. I might rewatch it with that one actually, because again, I think it's one of those things. The making of this film's more interesting than the end result. Um, there is a featurette a making of, which has got interviews with Craig Muckler, Wayne Berwick, and actor Lauren Shane. Shane Shine, whatever. Sorry. That's quite good. I think watching that, Wayne Berwick did. They set out with good intentions because Wayne Boat was in the film industry anyway. His father was, I believe, a sound editor or something like that. And he worked with his father on a lot of films before this. I think they went into this saying, let's make a film. And then by the time they realized what they were doing, they were in too deep. And so they just uh, they just okay, did the best it. they could with what they had by the sounds of it. But everybody involved with it sounds like it, and Wayne Berwick even says himself, yeah, we made a shit film, but it was good fun. You know, and like I've always, right. you know, he's got more films made than we have. So, 
You've also got yeah. the customary Arrow reversible sleeve with two pictures on. And if you get the first pressings from Arrow Video, you get a fully illustrated collector's booklet featuring writings on the film by Stephen Thrower, the writer of Nightmare USA. So Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what? Even though I can't stand this movie, um, I absolutely love what Arrow does for films. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Top yep. flight company, period. It's definitely not the worst film they've ever put out, believe me. <laughs> I'd go to Satan's Blade or something like that, which I thought was... Okay, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> yeah. You know, Satan's Blade was terrible and I didn't enjoy it, but it looked good on the Arrow version. This film looks good. It is a terrible film, but I enjoyed it. I laughed at a few of the lines in this. You know, it bounced along quite nicely. Forgive the pun. But, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. I struggled with the rating for this. I really struggled. Chris. I struggled because it's shit, oh, but I, I like it. Oh, so I gave it two and a half bouncy boobs in a hole in the wall out of five. How in the hell can you do that? Because I had fun with it. I came away and I went, okay. yeah, I really enjoyed that. I could put that on. You could get a house full of friends around, a few beers. Let's stick this shit filled one. Have a look at this. And we'd sit and laugh at it. Oh, God. <laughs> what did you give it? I gave it a half a boob, sorry. Fuck it, oh no, it's worth more than that. There's a heart to this film. Half a bouncy boob, sorry. Half a bouncy boob. You disgust me. Do you do you understand the concept of cult films? I do. <laughs> I do. So you didn't enjoy this at all? You didn't come away from it and say that was shit, but it was fun? No, no, no. And you would rather watch people wandering around a wood with a video camera than that? Yes. Fuck yeah, no. Yes, yes, I would. I don't understand you. Yes, I would, brother. I don't get that at all. What's wrong with you? (laughs) I I must have fallen as a young child, dude. Bloody hell. Oh, well, there you go. Takes all sorts, I suppose. Right then, should we wrap up? (laughs) Yes. On that note. That's Microwave Massacre anyway. Yeah, you know, if you're an Arrow collector, it's it's a nice looking little package to get. But right. the film is, it takes a specific kind of taste to, in, to really enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it does. And you know what? There's, I'm sure that there's a lot of films I love that you can't stand other than the found footage <laughs> ones. Okay. All right. Want me to write a fucking list? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. If you're of a mindset to enjoy really bad films, then, yeah, this is one of them. And like I say, it looks nice, and I came away laughing, so there you go. Right then, let's wrap this up then. So, if you want to get in contact with us, you can do so via Twitter, ancient underscore slumber. Uh, Mara and I are both on there individually. I'm at Horrorsmith, and you are? M-A-S-C-H-E-M 67. Oh, yes. We're also both on Letterbox, and you can get us via the email Ancient Slumber Podcast at gmail.com. And please do go to iTunes and leave us some reviews on there because it gets us up the rankings and we can compete with some other people instead of going around and hitting them over the head. So next time we ran a poll on our Twitter feed for the next three yes, shows. We, we said, do you want us to do Friday the 13th or do you want us to do Halloween? And you have spoken. Paranormal activity. Fuck off. People have spoken and they've done the one that we the opposite one to what you and me wanted to do. But there we go. The people have spoken. And so for show 17, we are delving into Halloween. Nice. 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 
So we will do. I um. Uh, oh, go on. I absolutely. Well, we'll get to how I feel about Halloween. Well, I hope so. Don't say now, otherwise there's no point recording the next show, is there? That's right. We're going to do the zombie ones too, right? Well, let me lay it out for you. Show 17, we will do Halloween, Halloween 2, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Yes? Yes. Show 18, Halloween 4, Halloween 5, Halloween 6. Show 19, H2O, Resurrection, The Two Rob Zombies. And then a nice surprise for show number 20, which I'm not saying yet. We really want to do those four like that? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) All right. Why not? Well, the first three make up a nice little, the original Halloween thing. Yep. Then you've got four, five, and six, which are a trilogy unto themselves. Yes. H two O. Then you got then you got seven and eight. Yeah. Which are by themselves, and then you got the zombie ones. Yeah. We can do all them in one show because we won't do anything else with them. All right, I can get on that. All right, I'm fine with that. Well, good for you. We may even shove in next time another Blu-ray review. How about Dead End Driving? Okay, got that film. We'll do it. Yep, I've got it as well. It's getting a Blu-ray release from Arrow. So yeah, next show, Halloween 1, 2, and 3, plus a review of Dead End Driving. Fantastic. Sounds like a show. Yes, it does. Anything else to add? I think we're good. I think we're good as well. So, until next time, we'll say goodbye. Goodbye! Bye! Wouldn't it be better if you... If you, if you put her someplace? Do you mean an institution? Madhouse. People always call a madhouse someplace, don't they? Put her in someplace. I'm so I didn't mean to sound uncaring. I... What do you know about caring? Have you ever seen the inside of one of those places? The laughing and the tears and the cruel eyes studying you? My mother in there? She's harmless. She's as harmless as one of these stuffed birds. I'm sorry. I I only felt I I it's, you felt it what? seemed that she was she's hurting you. I I meant well. People always mean well. They collect their thick tongues and they shake their heads and they suggest oh so very delicately. I've suggested it myself. And I hate to think about it. She needs me.